You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Voluntary Vixens, where Jesse and Maddie give a female voice to news and pop culture with a libertarian twist. Join us to stay informed and challenged while keeping it sane, peaceful, and most importantly, voluntary. Hi guys, this is Jesse with the Voluntary Vixens, and today I have two guests with me. One of them is a very special guest, and you all know Kim. She's been on our show multiple times from Lesbertarian. You want to say hello? Well, I guess. Hello, guys. <laughs> nice to be back. And then we have our friend Jason, who is with us today, and Jason, um, do you want to kind of introduce yourself a little bit and just a little bit about your background? Uh, hey, everybody. How you doing? Uh, Jason Presti here. Um, background. I did um, from New Jersey. I did four years in the Army, and I've been with the uh, I've been working in federal law enforcement for in D.C. for about 20, 21 years now. All right. So. We brought Jason on because we thought he has a pretty unique view of just what all is going on in America right now. And um, you're in one of the hot spots, too. So, um, you know, with all of this, like this talk about police brutality and a lot of hate, hatred towards cops on the media. Um, just what is it like, I guess, where you are right now? Are you experiencing anything in your job right now that's kind of putting your, you feel like maybe you're at risk or I don't know. Uh, not on the everyday job. Cause I'm working in a federal building and all that, but I mean, I, I have been detailed out to work the, uh, the protest. So I, I've been on the front lines around the uh, Capitol Hill doing the protests. So I have, you know, I've been, you know, face to face with black lives matter and some of the other groups. So, but where I've at, where I, we've been, it's been, it's been pretty peaceful and we haven't had any, uh, any major issues. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's different. It, it's not. It's different being a federal police officer on Capitol Hill. It's kind of a controlled area, and um, I mean, metropolitan toward the White House has more had all the problems. Luckily, we uh, around the Capitol, we really haven't had any any major issues, other than being yelled okay. at, screamed at. <laughs> yeah, because I I'm just kind of curious because um, I mean, there's a I'm just curious what you feel like because you are part of this movement too. And there's a lot of anti-cop mentality in the Liberty movement too. Oh, I, so, uh, yeah. I faced it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get a lot of, um, do you feel like you're, I don't know. Do you feel like you're being um, judged unfairly amongst that group too? Um. No, maybe in the beginning when I first joined the Liberty Groups and the movement, there were some people that were not happy that I was there. But uh, I think everyone at this point knows me well enough personally. Yeah. You know. uh, of course, now, I mean, nowadays, like, you know, uh, I try to keep my um, public um, law enforcement profile to a minimum. I mean, I come and, come and go to work in my in civilian clothes and I, I don't display any police stuff. And I just that's just the way I am normally. But. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I'm curious, of course, dealing with people in the liberty movement, as we're moving to that subject, how do you square usually the debates? Because my issue, I'm maybe not, don't have as much, like when I see a cop, I don't immediately start freaking out and getting angry and feeling this libertarian ire build up. I just kind of, that's a cop, as long as they're not over, you know, over here bothering me, I don't really care. Um, but at the same time, I know a lot of libertarians freak out, say, well, you know, there might be good cops, there are nice cops, but the thing is, you have the authority to trample the Fourth Amendment, and it's kind of hard for people who are liberty-leaning to kind of square that with, okay, you already know that they have this kind of power that they can misuse, so why would you even join an institution that has that kind of power? Even if you say that you don't do the same thing, how can you, you know, be part of that? Yeah, I've gotten that. It's tough. I mean, granted, I've been here 21 years and I've only, you know, joined the Liberty Movement probably, you know, what, 
several years ago. So I was, you know, that's not like I was going to quit my job to, when I joined the Liberty Movement. I mean, it's not very realistic. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, most people know I'm more on the, the minarchist end than the ANCAP end. So I'm not because it, w- it would be tough to be to doing my job and be, you know, full, I think, more on the extreme ANCAP end of the uh, Liberty Movement. I mean, probably impossible. I don't know. But uh, yeah. it's hard. I mean, I see a lot of posts in the groups, Liberty groups uh, that I don't agree with. But you know, at this point, you know, I'm, I'm almost 50 years old. I just, you know, I just I just move on. I mean, so many people in the Liberty Movement, you know, I think act like the social justice warriors that they complain about and flip out about stuff. And I'm just some things you just got to let you got to pick your battles. I mean, that was a good point. I've seen that happen a lot lately where libertarians are like, yeah, left and the right is screaming about stuff. They're yelling about stuff. And I was like, libertarians have their stuff too, where they're snowflakes about <laughs> and they freak out about and they just will not allow any argument about. So let's not even pretend that it's that's a two-party thing. That's an every-party thing or an every community that has a certain belief system. I mean, you can go to all sorts of like a gamer group and have people oh, yeah. have a certain mentality that, you know, that if you step out of it, they're going to freak out. Yeah, that's true. The, you're not a real libertarian argument that always seems to come up. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. I just make it work. I take, I take the things, I, you know, out of libertarianism I like, and I just, you know, I just leave the rest behind. I mean, and there's people that get upset about that. And, I, you know, I see them in the groups all the time. But what are you going to, you know? I'm just curious, too, because have you ever been in a situation where you've seen a, you know, a coworker of yours do something unethical and... Have you ever had to kind of question yourself, like, do I report this or do I talk to this guy about it? It's it's kind of it, it, not so much you think in like a normal department. I mean, everything's so I mean, working for the federal government on Capitol. I mean, there's there's security cameras everywhere. I mean, we're watched all the time. Um, it's really hard to get away with a lot of st- stuff. And um, I mean, there's definitely been. Orders, you know, orders, and I mean things, you know, put out by my higher ups that uh, I don't agree with, and some coworkers, you know, that are more that are a little too overreaching. Where I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that, like, mm-hmm. without being insubordinate, you know, without being going all the way into being insubordinate. But you know, there's there, there's ways to be, you know, I think a more moderate libertarian and being where I'm at, and just be, you know, because I have a couple other friends that I work with that are liberty minded, and you know, you just, you know, you. We look at the the, uh, the people that we don't agree with, and we're like, "All right, well, you do your thing, and I'm just I'm going to do mine." And outside of disobeying a direct order, I mean, you, just, you know, try to follow the deal as the best you can, and sometimes it works. And yeah, we usually play the game a lot, especially now. I'm a, you know I'm in a supervisor, so with my employees, it's a lot of uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard sometimes. I mean, it's different. One being in federal law enforcement, I mean, working you know in federal buildings, I mean, it's not I'm not going into anybody you know. People are coming onto our our property, even though it's the mm-hmm. people technically proper, you know. But I mean, it's not like I'm not. I don't drive around on the roads pulling people over in their POV. I don't go in. I'm, I'm not going into anybody's private property, or you know. So it's it's a little different. It's not. I can't really compare it to metropolitan or some of the other what they're dealing with or local cops you know, on the street. Yeah, I mean, have you ever had to? Have you ever had to like arrest somebody? Like have to? I don't know. Not put your knee on their neck, but I mean, just, you know, have you ever had to have restrained somebody or be in that situation before? Mostly with um, protesters and protests, which, you know, are pretty peaceful, uh, more so than in the everyday job. I mean, where I'm at, it's mostly uh, mostly homeless people. Mm -hmm. But but that was that's the thing with the the George Floyd, you know, the whole thing that made some myself and and fellow, you know, fellow law enforcement people I work with mad is that we've arrested so many demonstrators over the years that, that didn't require any, you know, any of that stuff that went on like that. It's, you know, we've got it. We always not joke, but we talk about that. We, we, we do it so often. We've got it down to the science. I mean, there's, there's never, you know, there's rare, I, I can't remember the last time, you know, we needed to use any violence to, uh, to restrain a, a demonstrator. I mean, yeah. Pretty. I think in, in George Floyd's situation, he had like that counterfeit, like, that's my question. He just had a counterfeit 20, I think, that he used. Um, I can't imagine why any, like, hands need to be put on him for that. You know, he wasn't violent with anybody, so there was no need to put your hands on him, as far as I know. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really read into 
how exactly all started. I mean, there's some things in there that definitely were uh, not in the general training and the general, I mean, like example, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, first, even the, like the knee and the neck is obviously uh, not something that's generally um, approved method. It's usually a knee in the middle of the small of the back. And that's only until uh, they're handcuffed. Once they're handcuffed, you, you shouldn't have to uh, apply any pressure. All the pressure goes to the, um, to the hands. There's a whole mm-hmm. bunch of techniques for that, you know, so the, the, there was a lot wrong. I mean, there was a lot. Even I mean, I don't know any anybody even in law enforcement who, who agreed with, with how that went down. I mean, yeah, that's kind of the thing is I feel like um, the media really tried to pull like push the narrative that the country was divided over how that was handled. And I felt like most everybody I talked to and people that even were very conservative and left police officers I mean, everybody agreed that was handled wrong, wrongly. So I don't know why the media was pushing this like divisive rhetoric. I think we all pretty much agreed that was handled bad. Well, we all <laughs> know? know why. Yeah. Yeah, we know why. It it helps with their whole yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah their their clickbait. It helps to continue the race wars and all that sort of stuff. Because as you were saying, I talked to plenty of uh, cops that were like, "No, that that was wrong." It's not a technique we we're, we do around here. Nope, nope, that was terrible. So I don't know. Maybe there was maybe two people in the in the entire U.S. that maybe thought that was okay, and it was probably you know the cops' friends. I have no idea, but most people thought that was wrong. And being in law enforcement, there's like there's th- things that you know from my experience that that other other people don't focus on. Like the big one for me was when the uh, uh, I can't remember the but when when he, the cop had the knee in his neck and he was holding him there that whole time. And um, Floyd kept saying, you know, when he was saying, I can't breathe. And because the, the, a lot of people, if you go back, you don't they don't remember the video. The cop kept saying, calm down. If you calm down, I'll let you up. And and I'm like, I mean, we, we arrest protesters all the time where I'm at. And, and you know, they yell and scream uh, through the entire arrest. And it's like who could, that whole calm down. Uh, you calm down. No one. Some people will never calm down. That, that's just I don't know if that was for the cameras or something. I don't know. Like an intimidation thing. I mean, that's so what? You let them yell and scream. What the, you know? Yeah, I guess that. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people who are getting arrested asking. I don't know about you, but if like when I'm in a stressful situation and anybody tells me to calm down, that is not like the first thing I think to do. <laughs> you know. I think nowadays in the police training, it's even like like they tell you don't like don't tell people to calm down. It's just not gonna it's not gonna have the effect you want. Yeah, it almost okay. seems condescending if you're like in a highly stressful situation and someone's saying calm down. You're kind of thinking like, no, you don't get it, and so you're just getting more frustrated. Yeah, I feel like every wife probably yes. has that moment. I was just gonna say that. I was like, that's marriage advice right there. Don't tell your spouse to calm down. <laughs> so like oh now that now that you said calm down i never even thought about calming down <laughs> actually the whole situation is forgiven it's done yeah now that you told me to calm down that <laughs> <laughs> <It> never works <laughs> but i had a question on okay so we already know the left when they say their reaction to this is defund the police yeah and it's literally just to feed it into other social programs what what's your opinion on all of that nonsense uh, well, real quick. Well, first, you know, uh, it was pretty much a dumpster fire, considering that that they uh, they had to scramble and come out and basically have a, a backpack backpedal and say, well, defund. The, we didn't really mean defund the police. You know, everyone pretty much ridiculed the slogan at this point because the whole thing was, well, we defund the police doesn't mean defund the police. This here's what it means, and it's like a whole, you know, when you had to have a John Oliver video explain what they actually meant. You know, it's like you know, there's a problem. I mean, but uh. I mean, when you look at, you know, uh, when you look at areas like Chicago, I mean, and this is the other thing. These are also that we're talking about people who ignore the hundred people that were shot in Chicago last weekend. I'm yes. sure the people, mm-hmm. the people who live in those neighborhoods, they're asking for more the police to do more. I don't think I doubt they're asking for the police to go away. Like the the average people that live in those poor neighborhoods in Chicago, they're probably they're asking, I'm sure they're asking the police. They want more the police to do more, not less with yeah. violent crimes, you know. I mean, I agree that it's hard because there's things that people are saying that that cops shouldn't be responding to, but you don't know how they're going to turn out. I mean, like, like you know, they've listed like we'll say um, domestic violence calls. I mean, 
you know, a social worker shows up for that. And, you know, uh, it turns out, the, the, you know, the, the abusive boyfriend's got a gun. And all right, then what happens? You know, I would say that domestic violence situations definitely don't like you shouldn't just send a social worker. <laughs> that just sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yeah, because it seems like like the situation is if if it's the worry is if a cop is sent in on their own, you know, their inclination might be different than a social worker. So I guess you might want to have somebody for protection or your social workers are going to have to learn how to be packing some heat. Then Here's one I've really thought a lot about. And, and this is what I tell everyone, people that I know when these discussions happen online. I tell anybody who's feeling suicidal should always call. Uh, and, and I've known some people and dealt with this, you know, on uh, partly with some outside of my immediate family. But I tell anybody if, you know, if you know somebody or, or, or you're feeling suicidal, I would always call a suicide hotline and let them call someone for you. Mm-hmm. Not uh, Or having mental health. I shouldn't say if you're really going to. But I mean, if you have mental health issues that are not and you're not going to kill yourself, because some people just, you know, some people will call 911. If it's not life threatening, and I, I, I mean, God forbid, you, you know, you feel like you're going to take your life. Of course, you call 911. But. If it's if you have any men, because I know people that I've seen online that were thought, you know, like that had some problems or are feeling depressed and called 911. That's the because because cops are going to get there every time before paramedics or EMT or they're always they're going to get there first. And to me, I mean, they're not really and I know for, they're not really trained for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to, you know, especially if it gets wires crossed through dispatch or whatever. And the cop thinks he's responding to someone going to kill themselves. They're going to, they're going to react in a manner. You're not, you know, that's why I tell everybody I know if you're feeling depressed or anything, like call a suicide hotline and have, or a depression hotline and have them because they will volunteer. They will call someone to come to your house. I mean, I know this for a fact, like you could, you call a suicide or depression hotline. They'll call somebody. They'll have someone, they'll do handle all the communication. You give them your address and all that. But for some things, unless it's actually life threatening, you don't want to, you don't want the police to show up to your house for a mental health issue that's that's not life threatening because it's not that's you've seen those on t- on TV those those don't end well yeah because just the, the you know you don't want the, if you're not really suicidal and and you you know you just need help you don't the, the police is not the people you want and they're going to show up before the the EMTs and even the you probably don't even I don't know what the EMTs are going to do for you but yeah in my state we have mobile crisis. And we try to tell families to call mobile crisis first because they will send out somebody to talk to the family. And then they'll assess if the patient, like if the pe- person needs to go to the, the hospital and then and go inpatient. Um, and they kind of bypass the police if it's like a suicidal situation. And then, um, and then that even works out really well for people who are having psychotic breaks and stuff. Because those are the scariest situations for cops, I think. Because oh, yeah. those people are psychotic, they're paranoid, they're not thinking straight, and they they will act out violently because they feel like they're something bad is happening to them, and they're very confused. And that's when you see cops reacting to their craziness, and um, yeah, it never goes well. Um, I mean, I remember having working in a psychiatric hospital. And we had a patient who was schizophrenic. He was like a young schizophrenic patient. He decided to smoke some weed, which is not the thing to do if you're schizophrenic. Okay. No. (laughs) It made him paranoid. He was hallucinating. And, you know, his meds just weren't covering his symptoms anymore. And when the police showed up, he thought they were going to kill him. So he starts going after them and he ended up getting his ass beat. And he ended up coming to the hospital anyways. And it just turned into a whole situation. And I think it's because the mom just, I mean, she didn't know that he took, that he was smoking marijuana. And I don't think she knew who to call in those types of situations. So. Not too long ago on Facebook, in the clergy, like a respected person and somebody on his Facebook friends list uh, was asked him, was feeling depressed and having some issues, not suicidal, but, you know, serious and, uh, Person, the person I know is like, oh, you should call nine one one, and I was like, right in the comments, I'm like, uh, no, they have people for that, like, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? That's what everybody thinks to do, though. I mean, and that's 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 one of the things that I kind of like. I don't say this out loud, but I kind of think that sometimes libertarians and ancaps are a little bit hypocritical because when there's situations where they don't know what to do, 
that's the number they call. Like everybody knows, call 911, call 911. They don't know like that you can call mobile crisis. They don't know any other way to handle a situation. So maybe that's part of the problem too, is like police are kind of getting a bad rap because people aren't, they're calling 911 for every single thing, you know? Is that just terrible advertising on other side? Because, I mean, I definitely know of the suicide hotline and everything, but maybe they need to do a little bit more advertising on, on that sort of thing. Because, I mean, if everybody's calling 911 and they're not aware they can call a different line, I don't know. That's why I see a lot of people. I see a lot of people post uh, on Facebook, like, suicide hotline. Or, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Post is, you know, so it's... Yeah. More people know, at least, or, or depression hotline or whatever they call it. Whatever it is in your state, because I guess we call it mobile crisis because, I don't know, my, my thing is, I think we in East Tennessee, it's like if you admit that you have depression or some kind of mental illness, it's like you're not you're less likely to call it. You're less likely to address it. But if you call it a mobile crisis and because it's not necessarily like a emergency, but it is a crisis, you're more likely to call it maybe. So, I don't know, each state kind of has their own, whatever they want to call it. Well, the the other thing about coughs, of course, libertarians, are, you know, don't really like them. But at the same time, when we have issues like this, even with private security, not saying the overreach issue we would have issues with, but wouldn't we still be calling somebody outside of ourselves? Because, of course, libertarian, you know, cops can't predict that a crime is going to happen you know, I don't call them if there's somebody breaking into my house because I have a gun for that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen libertarian. I've seen you know some libertarians probably more on the the far end cap end when they talk about the utopia of Encapistan, and then you ask them like, what's the replacement for law enforcement? And they're basically you know uh, uh, you know it's basically like black- some of them. It's basically they're describing Blackwater. Like, well, how was your how was you hiring? Yes, it's capitalist that you can hire uh, your own army of armed thugs, but I don't. I mean, that, I don't see how that's that much better with no oversight. You know, I mean, cops. You know, there's a, there's a lot of places where um, look at Minneapolis. You know, where the the, the, you know, the, uh, the cops get away with some some bad. Some cops get away with some bad things, but there's some form of oversight. I mean, I don't know. I don't see the answer being you know uh, and you know me being able to hire my own army, my own private army of you know. Thugs with no oversight other than how much I'm paying them. I mean, maybe that's just me. I don't I, I, yeah. I don't see how that's any more the answer. <laughs> I guess the, because I mean, I guess the other side of that is the argument of, well, I don't also want to have a group of people over me that the government allows to do whatever they would like, you know, and I have mm-hmm. no choice in the matter. I can't opt out of it. I can't get out of it. Yeah, I mean, that might be like where maybe um, states' rights or even, you know, county rights kind of come into play more where you are, you know, instead of having like these federal laws that, you know, don't make a whole lot of sense, you kind of keep it on a local level where the law enforcement is part of the community and is more tuned into the community, maybe even knows most of the people there. And then you have a lot more of a fair system. I mean, over policing is definitely an issue. Yeah, but then you think about, like, like I'm thinking of, like, Camden. Is it Camden, um, Connecticut, where it's, like, just, it's just basically, it's just a horrible neighborhood. And I don't know if it's Camden or it's someplace on the East Coast, but they have to bring in police officers from outside of the city because they can't, nobody will. That was Camden, New Jersey. I grew up like Yes, that's it. Yes, thank you. And I was watching like a documentary about that because they were, they had to train outside, you know, people that lived outside of Camden to, you know, patrol the city because they can't, they tried to hire people within the city and they, nobody was interested in it. Well, yeah, I think they brought the, the, the county police to do, to take, to, to do, to take over and do everything. Yeah. But I'm thinking in those types of situations, like, especially like in Chicago, for example, and I lived in Chicago for a while. So I'm thinking like part of that problem could be uh, mitigated by allowing people to own their own firearms. If you allow people to defend themselves a little bit, you might see a little bit less of these like crimes that are just drive by shootings and stuff like that. Because you'll have people who are able to defend their property, defend themselves a little bit more. And it will take a lot of the pressure off the police officers, too. 
True. I mean, I'm never against people home defense, so that's... <laughs> like, Chicago has very strict gun laws. I mean, their, their laws are very strict in general. Like, you can't have mace. You can only use a certain grade of pepper pepper spray. And if you carry a knife, it can only be, like, a couple inches long. Like, it can't be longer than your credit card, than, like, the width of your credit card. So, you know, it's like, if something really... And you know... You're not stupid. Chicago, there's people going to carry guns regardless. So it doesn't matter if you have the pepper spray and the knife in your pocket. You're gone if they want to take you out. So True. Yeah, I think that would cut down on a lot. I mean, if people had to go around knowing that pretty much anybody they were trying to rob or, or, or attack most likely has a gun, that's going to cut down on a lot because... A lot of these people are thinking, hey, not not everybody has a gun, and most of these people have illegal guns, and they're just running around just attacking people. But if you try to pull a gun on somebody, and pretty much everybody on the street, including that 16-year-old, might actually pull out a gun on you, then maybe you'd probably rethink your choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's where I think a lot of, I, like, I just keep thinking from a practical stance, you know, Police officers are sort of put in these situations because they disarmed the public. And so now they have to, now they are having to come in and handle situations that probably wouldn't need to be handled if people had their Second Amendment rights still. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, have you and your colleagues ever said stuff like that to each other? Um, not really where we're at. I mean, they, uh, I mean, there's nowhere more restrictive on gun laws than Washington, D.C., probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they just started only recently giving out a uh, gun permit, and it's pretty uh, pretty hard to get one. I mean, like I said, you know, being, you know, the, the libertarians, I'm, you know, I'm always for people being able to defend themselves. I mean, I don't know how much it's going to help a place like Chicago. I mean, the big issue there with the gang violence is it's usually um, people, you know, citizens uh, caught in the crossfire. And so, I mean, it's a whole other issue that I don't think anybody really wants to address. I mean, because it, yeah. it's funny how many people on the left get mad when you, whenever you bring up all the, uh, the Dylan roofs or that kind of thing, and you bring up, but well, what about, you know, the hundred people shot in Chicago? That uh, for people that supposedly care, they sure get uh, awfully angry when you bring. We're not talking about them. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Dylan Roof was a horrible person, but he was also very mentally ill. So to compare him to say that he's like the norm that we need to worry about. And we need to be on the, you know, alert for is just ridiculous because he was a mentally ill, unstable individual who is not the norm. That's not normal. You know, that's not the person you're going to run into. I still see people on Twitter that, you know, the usual uh, uh, crowd, you know, the activist crowd that's like, oh, all, all shooters are white males. And I'm like, well, if you leave out the Pulse nightclub shooter and the, and the, and the, the, the uh, Arab got the Arab... Arabic, a Muslim guy in, uh, what was that, in California? I can't remember where. Yeah, the, I know you're talking about, San, Sansa something. Sansa something, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Of course, they, they leave those cases out, and they're like, well, yeah, if you only, if you cherry pick, then, you know, you can get what you want, you know. Yeah, I mean, and then they don't count, um, and they don't count mass shootings, like, from gang violence, like you said, so, and there's, that happens on a weekly basis. Yeah. And, a lot of that, too, I mean, if you really want to go down that rabbit hole, I mean, a lot of those gang turf wars have a lot to do with drugs, too. And if maybe we didn't make every single drug illegal, maybe that would kind of not be such an issue. There's two, like, two things I can think of right now that would really help out, <laughs> take off some pressure off the cops. Well, the war on drugs is the problem. True. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, look at the... I mean, the what's it? The is it Rayshard Brooks? Yes, the one in Atlanta. I mean, that's. I mean, I, I mean, I know people even on the uh, extreme, not extreme, but more on the, the solid libertarian side who were who were couldn't believe the uh, the verdict. And I mean, it's just. I mean, it's insane. I mean, I don't know. It's insane. I mean, with with you know what we know about the, uh, murder in the first degree. I mean, I don't know how other libertarians feel. I mean, it's just or anybody. I don't. I just don't see how. I mean, that, I don't know where it's going to go with that DA, but it's just. That just seemed insane in that case. I mean, there's plenty of, you know, the cases uh, that are suspect, but mm -hmm. plus the media seemed to be definitely trying to taint that whole story. 
Yeah, the media wants to stir the pot. Yeah, I blame a lot on the media. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, so, I have friends, you know, I have them friends, you know, that I work with who are, you know, whose family, call, you know, a coworker of mine who's, uh, you know, talks to his family back home and they're like, who only watches like MSNBC and CNN and he was complaining because he's like, man, they keep, uh, all they keep saying is, oh, the guy was sleeping in his car, like, the, you know, the media made it sound like the guy was sleeping in his car in a, in a spot and wasn't. Like, no, he was in the drive-thru window and passed out. He wasn't, he didn't just pull into a parking spot and, and take a nap. Like, but that's how, that's how a lot of people think about it. I mean, it's. Well, that's how they kind of, I think that one of the stories that I heard, that's kind of how they said it. They didn't say that he would like passed out while he was in the drive-thru line. They made it sound like he was just parked and passed out. Like, what's wrong with that? Well, I mean, I think they go with that because it's technically not omitting the truth. He was sitting in a car and passed out. They just didn't tell you where the location was. So that's how they can say, what, we we reported the facts. That was a fact that didn't make it in there, but we reported facts, didn't we? Mm -hmm. You have to go to independent sources. I mean, the mainstream media didn't, you know. Because people were wondering, you know, uh, why did it turn so quickly? Well, the, the mainstream media—I never saw any reports that he um, that Brooks was on had warrants and was was on probation and had war a uh, warrant at the time, and you know, most likely was calm and cool until it came to you know because he, he thought he could talk his way out of getting arrested. And then at the time they were putting put the cuffs on, it was like, well, it's going down, you know. It's but you know, you're not you're not never getting the full story unless you. That's what you know. It's hard now. You got to look at so many sources. You got to. The thing is, though, it's like, I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with that comedian Chris D'Elia, that whole situation, too. A little bit. Yeah, it's like, um, I, I honestly have, I don't really know much about him. I've never listened to him. But, but I, was I was just thinking, thinking like, everybody, everybody was really, really quick to, to jump, jump on, like, like all, all of a sudden, sudden he's a pedophile. pedophile. Everybody, everybody should, should boycott, boycott him, him, stop listening to him, and hate him. him. And, and I, I feel like that's, that's, that's how, how we are with, like, everything on the news. We just immediately... It, it, there's a narrative, there's a narrative that, first, that first narrative that gets, that gets put, out. put out. That's, That's what, what everybody holds on to for the longest time. And, and, no, and, and most, most people don't go, go back and check and make sure, and make sure that that's that that's, that's the story, story you know, a couple, you know, couple hours, hours later. later. You know, you know most, most people just hear that, hear that one story, story and that's what they believe. Well, that's because, I mean, we know better when it comes to the statement I'm about to say, or the or the question is, why would why would our media lie to us? We know definitely why the media would lie but if you are, are like an unread pilled person who why why would they have reason to lie why you know you got to be able to convince somebody who doesn't think critically and deeply why these people would have any motive to lie well that leads me to another point though it's like um are we are these people really like incapable of seeing the truth like are they incapable of seeing it from that perspective or is it just that they so badly need the truth not to be the truth. You know what I mean? Like they don't want to believe that their media could lie to them. They don't want to believe that the government might be corrupt. They don't want to have that nuance. I know a couple of people closely that still like on the Dem side that, I mean, they, they will refuse. They won't, I mean, they will leave. They won't hear anything remotely negative about anything in the, on the, in their party. And I, and to me, I just don't see how, and it, it, the product, you know, how it's productive at all. I mean, that's, that's what's led the I think the Dems down such a, a, a bad road. It's just, you know, put your hands over your ears and go la la la. And you can't fix if you don't, that's the thing. You can't fix problems if you don't, if you refuse to admit they exist. I mean, it's. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I just kind of, I was just listening to, um, I was listening to another podcast today and they were talking about Joe Biden and just like how he got the nomination and like how it got to this level. And it's a question, like, I think a lot of, people who are not Democrats are, are asking like, what is going on? Is this like a psyop? Are they just, is there going to be like the vice president show up and it's going to be like Michelle Obama. And then she's suddenly Biden keels over or something. And then now we have president Michelle or like, or is the party just so dumb? <laughs> I mean, I worked, I worked around the Senate for a long time and you know, I saw, I mean, I saw Biden every day, but, I just when they back when they picked him, I just I just think his cognitive decline has just rapidly happened. Just unfortunately for them recently, I just it just seems more like bad luck for for uh, for them. I just you know, I mean his his cognitive decline or or it's coming or it's being forced into light. It was just wasn't something that was apparent before. 
Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have to see him as much. I mean, he was around, but, you know, we didn't have to listen to him make a bunch of speeches the way he has to do them now and all, all the stuff. He's just in the limelight all the time because he's got to be that way if he's competing with Trump. And maybe he's been, well, I'm pretty sure he probably was declining for a while. It's just we're just now seeing it. But even still, and it's like when I listen to old older speeches that he's done and some of the work he's done with um, the Clint, like Bill Clinton when Bill Clinton was president, I'm still thinking like in the the way that the Democrat Party, the direction that it's been trying to go, like he's not he sh- he should never have been the nominated person. Like he just of all the candidates they had, like I personally thought it was going to be Elizabeth Warren. Because at least she ticked off a few boxes, you know. Although but, Trump would have, would have, Trump would have just torn her up. Her. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I know that, but it's like Bill or Biden's going to get his butt handed to him. It's funny so, how quiet. I mean, how strongly anti-Biden the the Bernie crowd was, and they, I mean, they've completely just given. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to. I mean, they're completely silent. I don't know what they're going to do now. Whether they're going to stay home or they're going to go to the autonomous zone and just. Live out there. <laughs> Live out there or stay home. Or they're going to invade the Libertarian Party like some of them did in 2016. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Oh, yeah, I'm God. like, I'm glad you guys are over, but I'm going to need you to let go of that mindset now that you're over here, please. Thanks. It's going to be, the. I mean, a lot of it's, I mean, there's so many, it's sad. There's so many conspiracy theories that Biden's going to get in and after a certain amount of time, he's going to step down for, you know, illness to, to whoever the vp is i mean i know people on both sides that that are talking about that so i mean yeah here's theories now it's crazy there's a lot there's like the they think that michelle obama is going to get it or what was that girl's name from atlanta that ran for governor not stacy abrams yeah that there's like there's some people thinking that it's going to be stacy abrams because she clicks off a lot of boxes i don't know those are the two that i hear the most or no, Kamala Harris. I don't know. I think no. I don't. I think the Dems are done with. I think they've been done with her. I don't. I mean, who knows? I mean, I hey, if they get desperate, you know, they're really banking on the fact that the economy tanking and the virus and the way that Trump handled it is what's really going to destroy him. And but at the same time, do you, do you th- really think people would go? Okay, I'll take. Uh, Kamala Harris and the Biden who's going to die within a few months of becoming president uh, over Trump, even if we've had all this disaster. I mean, I mean, considering how many women said that they'd let Biden rape them if they can get rid of Trump. (laughs) That is. (laughs) You've seen those posts. (laughs) It's so sad. I'm like, look, um, nobody is. But this is. If that tells you how messed up this system is, that you have to say a sentence like, I'd rather allow Biden to rape me than have Trump as president, <laughs> that's got to tell your system is stupid. I was just thinking, like, you know, the libertarian candidate right now is looking pretty damn good. Like, when I'm thinking from a, you know, a left perspective, like, she looks damn good because we've got two presidents right now, two old-ass white men who have been accused of rape and, you know, sexually inappropriate behavior. And then you have, and and then they're both just in their own ways. They've been in the public eye for a long time. And then you have Joe Jorgensen, who she's, you know, a college professor. She's a woman. She's pro gay rights, you know, pro legalizing drugs, Second Amendment. She kind of. She hasn't been tested yet publicly. I mean, neither side. They're both sides are completely ignoring her. Nobody's really taking any. Yeah. Watch her get completely just whitewashed away somehow, because she, if she were ever to be given a platform, even the smallest amount of platform by any of the mainstream media, like she would make both both of of the candidates look really bad. Well, they're just going to go with the fact that um, our last candidate was did some really <laughs> ridiculous things. And they would say, remember, it's the party of that guy. So who cares yeah. about her? Because you don't want anybody who would have that guy. True. I don't know how it's hard because, I mean, look at I mean, and, and out of the Dem on the Dem, if we're just looking at the Dem side, I was for the candidates. I was a big Tulsi Gabbard fan and the far left made her look like a Nazi. So I can't imagine what they would make Joe Jorgensen look like. Oh, yeah, they'll figure out something. If they really went after her, I mean, 
they make their own moderate candidates look like the, the alt right. So I don't know how they. I don't even like. I guess I just don't listen to a lot of left media, but I just can't even imagine like how they succeeded in making Tulsi Gabbard look bad. Unless it's just because so many leftists, like feminists, can't stand to look at an attractive woman, it just bothers them. Because <laughs> they're they're big on guilt by association. Because there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of moderate, a lot of moderate people on the right, very moderate, who were uh, who were fans of hers, and, and the uh, the far left didn't like that, and independents mm-hmm. too. I, I don't because like I said, they're big on guilt by association, so. Yeah, and it probably didn't help that some libertarians were like, "Huh, you know, I might, you know, I wouldn't mind voting for." And all of a sudden, the left was like, "Oh no, those alt right libertarians, because they're all white rich dudes, totally <laughs> love some Tulsi. We can't have that." Oh, those alt right racists who want to vote for a native Hawaiian female <laughs> president. God, I publicly always said for a while I publicly uh, endorsed her. Mainly because the the whole like the whole leftist narrative for a while was you need to vote for a um you need to vote for like uh, you, you should vote for a damn woman and I'm like all right I'll pick the one all right you here we go <laughs> you don't like yeah. you know? I'll pick the one you hate how about that <laughs> that was always my angle I'm like all right I'll just pick the one you can't stand now what are you yeah, gonna so do we picked one yeah there you go yeah I know it's like the funniest thing though is like one of my best friends was is a um she's a leftist and she was. We were talking about all the candidates. She's like, there's no good candidates running on the on the left side except for Elizabeth Warren. And I was like, what about <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard? And she just was like, Ugh. like she didn't even have a word. She didn't have like a phrase, nothing. And I was I kept trying to ask her, yeah, what is your problem? And she just could never tell me anything about why she didn't like Tulsi Gabbard. It's because she was told not to, most likely. Yeah. They probably don't know anything about her. Yeah. Biden ruined the whole thing by saying so early uh, that he's going to pick a, a black female. Because even Amy Klobuchar, who's a, was like, yeah, I'm out. It probably needs to be a black female. And I'm like, like I mean, I thought, for, at least from the Democratic perspective, she was actually somebody in the running. But she took her, you know, it was once he said that whole, once he said, you know, I want to pick a black female. That I mean, that was, that was it. Could you imagine? I mean, that that's the qualifications for becoming VP. Hey. You know, I'm past 35 here. I don't think that matters for that. But, you know, this is perfect. Black and female. All right. Here you go. I'll uh, get in there and then immediately try to disband everything as soon as Biden dies. Yeah, then they see your tweets. And they're like, no, no, no. And suddenly, suddenly I'm impeached immediately. <laughs> yeah. They'll come up with something. They'll be like, she's been hanging out with all those alt-right lip- li- uh, libertarians. She's a closet racist. Yeah. Like they won't She's a white back. supremacist. Yeah. Eric July has been called a white supremacist. So. <laughs> so is Dave Chappelle. So it's just, this is <laughs> the, the, the poison in the minds has gone so far that even it's like, how the heck can I be a white supremacist? I mean, all that self-hate, just every, every single black person that says something differently is some, what, how did we get here? I'm kidding. Aww. <laughs> that was funny. I just saw the screen go black. <laughs> That's my cat. Well, uh, it's, it's even because uh, I always said to friends of mine when this would come up, um, you know, when they they would argue with me about it, left friends, and I'm like, you know, when when they consider when they, the first time that when they considered uh, gay Jew Dave Rubin, they call him. They could still the far left considered him him to be all right, and I'm like, I mean, come on, <laughs> if you're gonna yeah. call Dave Rubin, uh, you know. All, it's not Nazi alt right, and it's crazy. I mean, yeah, well, alt right didn't even like Milo. They hated that. They hated uh, that dude. Yeah, well, and my thing is like, I feel like if they keep it up, they keep calling everybody a racist and a white supremacist. Those two words are really going to lose their their meaning, and it's just gonna it's not going to be have much of a sting to it anymore. Because now, even if you're a moderate, you know, a moderate leftist you could be considered alt-right you know well yeah because that's what i've been saying with some uh, you know friends of mine like um you'd think and it's a problem with any even you know bill maher says it. even michael moore has said it a couple times and like joe scarborough that the far left is gonna you know could could sink the election because 
they're only preaching to the base. Like you'd think they'd want every vote possible, the moderates and the independents, and they they, they just don't seem to care. They don't. They attack the moderates of their own party, drive them out. I mean, look at the walk away campaign. I mean, I just, I mean, you look at statistics and studies. I mean, the majority of even of Americans, even on the Dem side, are are, are establishment moderates. I mean, which is probably why Biden, I think Biden, I'm starting to come around. I think Biden's going to, depending on the VP, I think Biden, I think Biden's going to win this one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like it's going to, like, 2020 is full of surprises. So we will see because. That's an understatement. <laughs> I think, did you see, uh, Tim Pool? I think, had one of the best things where he talked about what, where the, because he always, where, if there's going to be some kind of Civil War-like conflict, how it's going to start. And he said it perfectly. It's going to be the November, if Donald Trump wins the electoral vote and Biden wins the popular vote, I mean, things are going to get a hundred times worse than the, like, we're, we're just, we're going to see a breakdown. I mean, it's going to be, you know. Oh, I know. I'm just worried about how it's going to affect my marriage because my husband is a, he's a liberal, so. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, right. Yeah. It was funny, though, because yesterday, or, was, or maybe a couple days ago, um, he was kind of joking around with me about just who's going to, like, well, who's the libertarian candidate? I don't even know who that is. And I was like, okay, well, it's a female, um, and she's also a, uh, what is it? She's a psychology professor, I believe. And he was like, yeah, like, she's not a viable candidate. And I was like, she's a, she's a much more viable candidate than the two, like, credibly accused rapists that we have running for president right now. We have a reality TV star as president, reality TV star. And how in the heck is a college professor? I expected him to argue with me, though. And he just, he just looked at me and he was like, yeah. (laughs) Even at this point in 2016, uh, uh, Gary Johnson had a lot more, a lot more media attention. I mean, she's getting. Well, Gary Johnson had been around for. I mean, it wasn't like he, you know, he held an office and everything. He was governor. I mean, I know, I know, longtime libertarians who were when, when, uh, when, uh, when coming out of the, the LP convention were like when when her, she was announced, it was like who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the downside. Is she really? But I don't know. Would. Uh, Jacob Hornberger been any better? Because I no, he was not like the problem with Jacob Hornberger is he had all the right ideas, but he had no charisma and he had no presence online at all. So I don't know. It's tough. Like I had with the last local election here in Maryland, I was looking at the uh, um when I was looking at the field, and I was like, oh hey, wow, there's actually some uh, libertarian uh, libertarians on here, and I, I started doing some digging, and I'm like. These are lunatics. These, the, the, there was, the, I mean, these people are like, I, I, I wouldn't, I couldn't bring myself to vote for, uh, uh, for either one of them. I, uh, the two that were uh, on the ballot the, la- the last time I voted, I was like, I can't, I can't bring myself to vote for these people. Yeah. Some of the local well, ones are just. Uh, I'm just gonna. I know that um, there's somebody within our network who's trying to get a, an interview with Joe, so we'll see what happens with that. But um, I do think that I'm strongly of the opinion that if there are no good candidates that you agree with, you have the option to not vote. And that's your choice. And it's not a wrong one. And just because you don't vote, it doesn't mean that you are letting Hillary win or Biden win or Trump win. It's not how math works. It's like yeah. it's like the math somehow adds up to. I'm all like, look, just because I didn't vote, just I was like, oh, we're, like my vote just disappeared onto a different. No, I just didn't vote, <laughs> and that and that shows my opinion. People's like, well, you don't have the right to have opinion. My non-vote was the damn opinion. What are you talking about? Yeah, that was my protest. I, you guys didn't put a candidate up worth my vote. Sorry. Yeah. That's the thing is, I see a lot of people that are just willing to vote just to get the one guy not to win and it's like well but did the guy you would have voted for is that what you wanted no so who's winning and who's losing here i mean but it's already started going into the election i've seen i'm already starting to see the uh mostly from the left the character assassination of the of libertarians on twitter i mean it's starting you know as we get closer to the election it's starting to creep in now where just these just people just start making these rant i just see these random tweets rants about libertarians out of nowhere and i'm like it's because we're a threat now 
We're becoming more of a yeah. threat because we look better than both parties right now. Which is crazy. <laughs> and it's and not to say that we are like great because but I'm just saying like it doesn't take much to look better than the two parties right now. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Well they'll they'll always well, blame I mean twenty sixteen they blamed, you know, the uh the third party voters over the ten million registered Democrats that that refused to vote for Hillary. Like blame us but don't blame them. It's like Yeah. Well, or Hillary, the fact that she was just like a god awful candidate. Well, it's easy to make fun of the party who has a guy who the most knowledgeable candidate wears a damn boot on his head. So yeah, it's easy to make it. <laughs> and I, I love Supreme. It's just when you know where it's like, oh, he, he's a great person. He aligns with everything that I believe. But even I'm like, yeah, dude with a boot on. You can't sell that. You're gonna have to you know raise up an entire generation of people who love liberty and don't care about the visual before anybody falls for the whole libertarian looks and everything and pre presentation doesn't matter. I'm like, to us, you idiots, we're not the entire population of the U.S., so of course it matters to most of the people. Yeah. For how long did the, the naked guy at the convention have hang over, hang over the party's head? I mean... Exactly. He still does. I'm still mad about that. My five minutes of fame on C-SPAN Live was ruined by this dude in his mantis. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Your C-SPAN, like... That your uh, speech on C-SPAN, it popped up on my uh, memories like a few weeks ago, and I should have posted it. I really should have posted it. I have to run. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, this has been awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, guys. It's nice talking to you, sir. Definitely. All right. Um, I guess we'll end it here, guys. Um, thank you, Jason, for coming on and talking with us. And, you know, Kim, you're always welcome on the show. Kim, do you want to put any plugs in? And if Jason, you need to go right now, it's fine. Oh yeah, thanks. All right, all right. Well, as usual, you can find me everywhere on the planet. Google, Lesbertarian, <laughs> and I'm about the only thing that'll come up. So there you go, Lesbertarian everywhere. And we can't claim that because people stole us on Twitter. But um, we're Voluntary Vixens on Instagram and Facebook and. Um, voluntaryvixens at gmail.com if you guys want to ever email us for whatever reason. Um, but on Twitter, we are Vixens Voluntary, and on Patreon, we are Vixens underscore Voluntary. And that's pretty much it. Um, we'll just leave it with Maddie's nice little outgoing, which is just keep it sane, keep it peaceful, and keep it voluntary. Mm -hmm.